Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Scripture lesson this morning comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, verses three through nine. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently, so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Keep these words that I command to you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious Lord, we gather this morning on this glorious day to worship and to praise you. In a way, we are in a land of milk and honey, receiving the gifts from generation to generation. But with that, we also hear the charge to our lives to hear your words and let them grow deep within our souls so that we might be transformed into not just mere hearers of your word, but into doers of your word. In your, son, Holy's name, your son's holy name we pray, amen. So I'm intrigued when I drive around, especially on rural country roads, I'm intrigued with those churches that have the, slime, the signs with the sliding letters. You know what I'm talking about, where they come up with nice, really, pithy sayings and stuff that, you know, as you ride by like, huh, or oh my, or whichever you want to say. Here are a few of the ones that I sort of collected that sort of make me kind of chuckle. One of them is eternity, smoking or non-smoking. <laughs> or this was I saw in the middle of the summer when it's a thousand degrees outside. It's just too hot to change the letters. Come inside for more details. Or maybe here's one that sort of applies for now. Now open between Christmas and Easter. Just like us, right? But this might be my all-time favorite. And when I, you hear it in a minute, you'll know kind of why. And for those of you that are big fans of contemporary Christian music, my apologies now. But this is the one I saw, 77th Annual Fish Fry. Our cod is an awesome cod. They, they catch your attention, right? You start by and you see that and you think, wow, what's going on there? Or maybe sometimes if you watch those shows like American Roadshow or, or Antiques Roadshow or American Pickers or Hidden Treasure, you know, people bring their stuff out of their attics or out of the back of the barn and try to find if it's got any value and the expert dusts it off and looks for the hallmark, you know, that maker's mark that tells you how special it is. Like, for example, if you took a Tom Clark gnome, you know, Tom Clark was a Davidson College professor, 
uh, professor of religion and philosophy, a Presbyterian minister, and he started sculpting just on the side, and somebody said, you know, you're really good at that. You could make some money doing that. And so Tom Clark let being a professor go by the wayside, left the church, and he carved these gnomes, these woodland spirits, and for years you knew if you had an authentic Tom Clark gnome by looking for the hallmark he had, which was a token. Somewhere in the midst of one of his sculptures, those gnomes always were sitting on a token. They had a token or they were holding one. That's how you knew it was a Tom Clark gnome. But I think about this idea of maker's marks or hallmarks and signs out front. How they kind of come together. And where they come together is places like churches, especially ones designed by Ralph Adams Cram. He was an ecclesiastical um, architect in the mid to early 20th century. He was known for designing churches in the Gothic medieval style all across the U.S. And every building he designed had one characteristic. Over the door of that building was a sign that said, it was, it was engraved in the stone, a house of prayer for all God's people. He wanted there to be no mistake when you walked through the door of that church, what was going on inside, what it was about. It was as if he took the text that we read this morning and he took it literally and he wrote it on the doorpost of the church exactly what was going on so that everyone that entered knew who those people were and what they stood for. Now, we don't have a sign with sliding letters. And to be honest with you, I'm thankful for that because I think the pressure of coming up with sort of a, each week coming up with a relevant saying to slide out there would be just too great for me. And we don't have on our massive uh, entrance, we don't have words engraved in the stone, but I wonder if we did, what would our sign say? Maybe it would say an inclusive community transforming lives through God's love. And in doing so, we might look at our building, at our congregation, at our community, even at our membership vows very differently. Those words, an inclusive community transforming lives through God's uniting love. It would call us to delve deep into the scriptures and to deep into our faith and how we practice our faith in our lives around us. So this morning, as we consecrate this building, it becomes a base of operations for us as individuals living out our faith, but for us as a congregation living into our faith to follow the God who loves us most, to serve our community and each other and the world, and to invite people in to be a part of this community of believers this inclusive community transforming lives through God's uniting love. You know, I think about that and I think of in John's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples, he says, abide in me as I abide in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit separate from the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. See, Jesus is calling us to a sense of discipleship to follow. It's in these words that really the charge is to us to learn to live and to love like Jesus. It's a call for us to study the scriptures and their relevance in our lives, to spend time on the first 15 as we've been trying to talk about all year long, spending 15 minutes in this book, 
looking for the words that guide our lives. To spend time in small groups or Sunday school classes or Bible studies, really unpacking the word and their relevance for our life today. To his disciples to make a connection between Sunday and Monday and even all the way up into Saturday night. That what we do in here matters, that what happens in this place transforms our lives out there in the world around us so that we live our discipleship. And so this building becomes an equipping station, a place for prayer, a place for scripture, a place for worship, a place to encounter and deepen our relationship with the God who loves us most of all. But just as we come here to be equipped, we come here to be sent out to serve. You know, Jesus set that example for servanthood by washing the disciples' feet. And so our connection to service is rooted in that, but it's also rooted in something that we read all the way back in Joshua 24, verses 5. Remember, Joshua is talking to the people and they are unsure if they want to follow God, if they want to serve God. It seems to displease them. And he says, you know, if serving God displeases you, then go your own way. But then he throws down the gauntlet. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I mean, think about that. In the face of great opposition, he says the thing that's not popular, but the thing that is right. So we think about this idea of being a community of believers that transforms lives, then we're essentially saying the same thing, that we're wanting to serve the Lord. This idea of service doesn't presume that we know all the right answers or that we know all the issues or that we're going to get it right the first time that we try it. But it does presume that we as followers of the risen Christ, intent on abiding in Christ, that we will seek the answers, we will seek the actions, that we'll do it with perseverance to build the kingdom that God envisioned from the very beginning of time. We will work tirelessly to see people treated equally with dignity, equity, and respect. That we work tirelessly to change the world around us so that children don't go to bed hungry or worried about where they're going to sleep at night or if they'll have the right education to thrive in the world around us. Our facility not only equips us for ministry, but it becomes a base of operations from which we are sent forth to launch ministries of justice and reconciliation, ministries of compassion and transformation, where we'll send mission teams and support groups, where we'll work with ministry partners to make a difference right here in the world around us. Because here in this house, we serve the Lord who loves us and the world. But if these walls are for equipping the saints... If these walls are the launching place for us to serve, then they're also a life-saving station. I think about the coast of North Carolina. If you drive all the way up along the Outer Banks, every so often you see several buildings that look a little bit the same, like the Chickamacomico life-saving station. Now, it's different than a lighthouse. Because, see, as, as the life-saving service back in the early part of the 20th century, there were men, surfmen as they were called, they watched the ocean every day looking for ships floundering on the horizon that had run aground, looking for people that had washed ashore from these, tra- these tragic shipwrecks, and they would bring them into these life-saving stations, nurse them back to health, and get them back to their families. See, the church is a life-saving station. 
And the church is a place where we should be looking for people stranded, floundering in the storms of life, whether it's sin or disappointment, estrangement or anything like that, where people don't know how much God loves them or even that they matter. We should be combing the horizon, looking for those folks and inviting them in. That's the whole point of the idea of evangelism. It's not about growing the church so that we can say, well, you know, we go to a 3,000 member congregation. No, it's about inviting people into that relationship to come here for healing and then equipping and then going forth to serve. See, my friends, we are called to go out and invite people in to be a part of that which we know is good. And so this becomes a place of rest, a place of healing, where people can be loved, and that people can love and grow as well, learning to abide and to serve. And so while we don't have a sign without letters, And while we don't have a marquee engraved or a a maker's mark engraved over our doorpost, if we did, it might say something like, abide in me as I abide in you. Or maybe it would say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or maybe even go into the world baptizing in my name, making disciples of all people. Or maybe better yet, as we in a few minutes will gather here in this sanctuary down front, say words of appreciation and cut a ribbon for a job well done on facilities. Maybe we can consecrate our hearts, dedicate our lives and our souls that we might announce to the whole world as we birth forth from this place that this building represents a community of believers, an inclusive community of believers that are transforming lives by the uniting power of God's gracious love. And in doing so individually and collectively, We share this vision with the world around us. We write those words on our hearts. We write them on the doorposts of our homes, but we write them on our hands, on our foreheads, so that everyone will see whose we are and who we are. That the people of Centenary are gathered in this place to be equipped to serve and to heal the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock, or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.